Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the five-star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 of us just in case, volume one, available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Oh my God. Who does he think he is? Come around here with his bloody podcasts. Chuckle, this week is a special watch-along episode of the 1995 Royal Rumble, one of my favourite Royal Rumbles of all time, um, full of hilarious characters all the way through, and Pamela Anderson sat at ringside, which is never never a bad thing. Um, if you'd have told me this when I was uh, younger, that this would have happened, I would never have believed you. My guest today is the one and the only Duke the Dumpster Drossy. How the hell are you today? Doing great, doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for being. The thing is, because you know you've um, you've done Austin's podcast, so the next logical step is to do Turnchuckle. Um, yes, I'm moving up the ladder. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we thought we'd uh, do something a little bit different uh, because uh, you're going to be starting your own podcast soon as well. Um, have you got any info that you can give us on that? Well, we're just getting to work on it, but the 60 Minute Broadway mm-hmm. is the company that I'm working with. Uh, Dumpster Fire Studios, uh, and the podcast will be called Talking Trash with Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Love it. Love everything about it. Um, so after the uh, after the Royal Rumble, we'll not give spoilers on who wins the uh, Royal Rumble match. Um, you know, for those who have been in a coma for the past, like, 25 years or something. Um We'll uh, get your details, info on where people can find you, and uh, you're selling those gimmicks as well. I bought one of your trash can lids, and it's it's amazing. It's hanging up on the wall. Well, thank you very much. Yes, we are selling the gimmicks, as they say. <laughs> yes, sir. It's a, it's amazing. Uh, the cat, because it's very shiny, the cat had a lot of fun just messing around with it as well. So, um, so yes, uh, we're going to uh, watch uh, Royal Rumble 1995. So... 
load up your network um, and skip forward to 157.12 and you'll be greeted with Howard Finkel's um, very serious uh, moustached face. I've met Howard Finkel once. He's a far bigger man than I expected. He's a cool dude, too. He's an awesome guy to work with, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he was very appreciative of uh, every fan who met him as well. And I heard he's not doing so well at the moment. I heard he's a little ill, so... Um, That's what I heard, yeah. That's yeah. what I heard, unfortunately. Hoping that the um, pulls through and is there for definitely WrestleMania. But, um, yeah, I uh, hope it gets better soon. So, yes, Royal Rumble 95. So, before we go into it, um, 1995, January. So, Tampa, Florida, did you particularly like wrestling in Florida, like sort of the hottest states? Well, I was living down there at the time, so it was, you know, an easy little drive. But other than that, you know, it didn't matter. I just, it, it was easy for me. Uh, I think I actually offered to give King Kong Bundy a ride mm. during those TV tapes. Fortunately, it didn't work out. <laughs> for me, it didn't work out. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was an easy trip for me, and I had a lot of friends coming to the show and stuff like that, so it was cool. Okay, well, we've got a lot of time to go over many things that happened at that time. So, yes, uh, I'm going to count us down. Uh, 157.12 is where you need to be on your network, and uh, I'm going to count down. Three, two, one, click. Oh, and I'll... We'll turn down the sound as well, so I don't get sued by uh, Vince for copyright. Um, see, that's the thing. When I've not made a network payment, I've always hoped that I would get like an email from IRS or Repo Man or something like that, just like demanding yeah. pay demanding payment for the network. But um, yeah, here's uh, here's Pam Anderson at, at her peak. Did you get to meet her? No, I didn't get to meet her, and uh, I really didn't care to. Actually, she was she didn't care to be there. I I, I don't think. Uh, okay, you see, I, I get that feeling as well. Like I always thought that this Royal Rumble was a little shorter, just so that Pamela Anderson didn't have to sit at ringside for so long. Because every time the camera cuts to her, she, she doesn't looks... know where the hard camera. She doesn't know where the hard. <laughs> yeah, she looks so bored on it. Pam's head looks like a Tommy Lee video. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's Patterson at ringside. Um, see, if you're going to have security escort you to the ring, you want Pat Patterson, um, Gerald Briscoe. To be fair, Gerald is tough. He would take down yeah, just about the, anyone. The shooters, Briscoe and Patterson. <laughs> and um, some random man in the background. As I'm guessing he worked for Pamela Anderson, maybe. But, uh, one yeah. of the agents or something. Mm -hmm. So, 95. So, yeah, we should do a mullet count uh, for this... <laughs> yeah, I believe Sean and Diesel still had their mullets. They'd be two of the biggest ones. This is true. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Pamela Anderson. I, I I always felt that sat behind her are plants as well, so you didn't have just like absolute weirdos sat behind her, just ready to you know grab and grope. If they did that, I never heard anything about it. I I just think that they were ready to get rid of somebody if they were uh, a weirdo, as you said. So, mm. Was there ever any extra excitement or was there any animosity when a celebrity was brought in? Because I'm guessing they got paid a lot more than a lot of the wrestlers got paid on a pay-per-view. I didn't care, but you, you would hear guys from time to time gripe about it uh, because they didn't get a payday and 
obviously they're bringing these people in and pay them a lot of money, but I mean, I never really cared about that stuff. Did did something like the Rumble bother you when, like, you know, because you are in this match, but admittedly not for long. So, I mean, I know you didn't have to make much of a drive, but did it bother you that you would just, you know, your night's work was two minutes, basically? No, it didn't bother me because, you know, that was the only pay-per-view I was doing at that time. Uh, I did two or three of them. I can't remember how many, but, uh, you know, it, again, it really just didn't matter to me because I knew I wasn't in the picture for winning it or going to WrestleMania. So I just uh, did what I had to do. Uh, I guess I lasted eight minutes in this one or something. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, do you know? Shawn Michaels had something written on his hand when he came out to the ring. Yeah, TK. I don't. I don't know what that means. Um, was it ever explained? Isn't it? Or his wife or his girlfriend at the time? Maybe. Uh, um, like a a WCW Nitro girl or something. That makes sense. No, I think that may have been before that. Um, I'm I'm not good with that kind of uh, stuff, but it may have been before that. It may have been just some rat who he. <laughs> fuck the previous night you know um so room for all those uh, letters <laughs> so at this time obviously you know a lot more colorful characters at that point so did it seem you know the locker room just for you know the outlandish outfits and stuff did did it just seem ridiculous at the time or was it just that was what wwf was so you just kind of That's what it- that's exactly what it was. That was the status quo, man. That was it was just a bunch of goofy characters because Vince was still in that mind frame where it, you know it was cartoonish characters. So yeah, it was a locker room full of them, and it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, these guys are these guys are working every high spot they can think of in the first two minutes. <laughs> well, the um, you know it's one every minute for this match, um, and I think because of that everything's moving so quickly that I don't think the audience are taking much notice of who's coming out quite as much, um, which I think is a bit of a shame. Like the next year and you're in that rumble match as well. That's when they started adding music to the entrances as well and giving it a bit more importance, I would say. Um, Did they shave the time off of it too? Did they shave it down or is this shaved down one minute? Yeah, this one's shaved down. I mean, the, the Brett Diesel match went on for about two days i think um but i don't know if that was yeah. by, by design or whether you know whether they cut this one down because of that match or whether that was always the plan but this is i think this is eli blue i could be wrong <laughs> do you know the difference can you tell it, no i can't it's ronnie or donnie harris one or the other but <laughs> interestingly one of them is the one that grabbed Shawn michaels by the neck in the locker room at madison square garden and yeah. jacked him up for real but yeah uh-huh. <laughs> well you, you were there for that because it was what late ninety five, so were you at the show? Huh? I was not at the show. I was uh, I was working for the company, but I was not there. Mm. Well, this um, this is the Blue Brothers debut, and they used the really effective method of not showing what they looked like before this event. So that means they came out. Oh, here we go. Who's this? I never understood why did I run to the ring. I mean, if you want to be there longer, why don't you take your time? To the first, you still there? Yeah. Yeah, you threw a perfectly good hat into the crowd. So um, this is about yeah. This will be the time here in a minute where I'll grab after I punch him a few times. I'll grab Shawn Michaels so he can rest. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) soon, I think this is. I slam him. Wow, I got to actually slam Shawn Michaels. 
Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with myself. See this. This, this is where he rests. <laughs> <laughs> See this particular outfit as well. I don't. I get nerdy now, but I don't like sort of uh, associate you with this gear quite as much. As the it was just gear. something different. It was something different. I actually bought a jumpsuit that was white. See, I I made all my own stuff. They didn't mm-hmm. make my stuff for me because I wasn't important enough. But I bought a white coveralls and I put it in it was black dye and it just turned it gray so i just had a gray outfit and then i put i think i don't know if i put little garbage trucks or trash cans down the sides i can't remember what's on that one i can't see it right now but oh yeah but yeah never noticed that yeah little trash trucks garbage trucks yeah and uh see i shouldn't i I shouldn't have said that i never noticed it because that shows its effectiveness if i've just noticed it now when you told me yeah yeah (laughs) a white decal on the side of a just off white grayish outfit uh the only thing they made was the they put duke the dumpster drossy on the back of the weight belt but i did everything else uh i put the little garbage trucks on the elbow pads and stuff like that so, so was there ever a, um uh like a process did you go to the studio to choose which music you would like or did you look at logos and stuff like that or was that just kind of first upon you or? No, it was just what I brought to the table. And they just handed me music one day. I remember they gave me, it was back in the days of cassette tapes. Uh, I remember when I got my music because I was not thrilled with it. Uh, And I think, uh, well, I I didn't exactly complain, but uh, I I didn't like it. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, but I I was. That's that's the music that you ended up with. Yeah, yeah, because you weren't going to do anything to change it. I mean, that was the. The guy they had in the studio that still to this day I figure does music, but yeah, yeah, you were stuck with it, whatever they gave you. So Jimmy Delray first out, and like I always felt like he, if you're going to keep someone in the ring for a longer amount of time, someone like Jimmy Delray could have really added a lot to it. It was a shame that he got eliminated so quickly. I, and this is my personal opinion, I don't think guys like that got much respect because they were like the Smoky Mountain guys. Right. Uh, you know, they came in with Jim Cornette. And again, that's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, I Shawn Michaels didn't respect guys like that. Even Tom Pritchard, who was is was and is very well respected in the business. Yeah. Just the fact that he was tagged with. See, Shawn Michaels used to call him Bush League because they came from Smoky Mountain. He would say stuff like that. But um, yeah. that's probably why I, I think they're just an afterthought. They were just bodies and numbers for part of the rumble. And, and that was probably it. I must be getting a lift. See, I got Davy Boy resting now, and I got to be going out soon. I'm kind of looking around, wondering if somebody's going to throw me out. I can't remember who threw me out, but so what would you be saying to Davy at this point? I was just telling him to rest. He was probably <laughs> saying something funny, and I was probably laughing. That's why I got my face buried. <laughs> so, did you ever? Did, did you take part in many battle? I think you were in the one in on Raw the time when Own Heart won it. I could be wrong. Um, it was like late 95. Was it right after this? Did they do no, it right no, after? It, no, it was um, right before the Royal Rumble because I always found that if there was a Royal Rumble like this when a lot of the names weren't around by the next year, they kind of had to do a battle royal on Raw just to get footage of lots of guys in the ring to make it look like, you know, for like the promotional I, stuff. I think I was probably in that and I think Shawn Michaels is getting ready to throw me out. Mm, in a, yeah. yeah, getting over there near that rope, and I think 
if Earl Hebner is going to come walking by here in a minute, this could be this could be the moment. <laughs> He's going to backdrop me out, I think. He's still resting. Well, we're both resting. The ring's getting think, full up pretty quick. Um, it, I think he might be asking me if I'm ready to go or we're waiting for somebody to come out. I can't remember which, but. But how far do you remember how far in advance? Uh, see, how good, see, I'm staying with him because I know I'm about to go out. Ah, uh, and there's your oh, friend. Yeah. Savio Vega. Now, this is where the funny starts. He comes in the ring. <laughs> so and how the shit he say was hilarious. Yeah, I guess you could say more when you had a mask on as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if Doink's getting out. Doink's not throwing me out. Yeah, I can't remember exactly who eliminated you, but I know you took. Uh, we'll go into it, but you took a. Uh, um, you took a <laughs> completely out. Um, complete accident, not planned, and I landed on him full force, which you will see. Yikes. Yeah, here's Savio. Now Savio's talking shit. Don't just <laughs> nail Shawn Michaels. It's a hell of, it, it's a hell of a mishmash of people. Um, yeah, it's. That's what it comes down to. These rumbles, they just turn into people laying around in corners and up against the ropes. So Rick Martel, um, I asked him once because he, he hadn't been around for a few months at this point. And apparently because he was from Florida, he ran maybe a, a car dealership or something like that. And WWF helped promote it. And in return, he made an appearance in this match. I have no idea. I do remember hearing something about the car dealership thing, but I don't know mm. if that's true or not. Oh, let's see. Man, I've been in there a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> so you're taking out one of the Blue Brothers at this point. Um, see, at this point, in 95, 95 just a, a crazy year because it just seemed like there was a new character debuting like every week. And it, it kept things interesting because it was just... It, it was almost like like someone threw a dart at a dartboard and was like, right, we're going to have this character this week, like a school teacher or, you know, a movie fanatic in Goldust. And, um, you know, you yeah. can, it was, sometimes they these gimmick ideas for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would think about them for different wrestlers. And then they, at the last minute, they wouldn't use it on somebody. So then the next guy that came along, they would put the gimmick on him. And the, and the thing is as well, you know, uh, um, like a school teacher like Dean Douglas or whatever is no more ridiculous than a dead zombie Undertaker wrestler. You know, so like I don't like I don't blame WWE for like kind of throwing everything against the wall and seeing what worked. And you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that was the thinking or not, or whether they were just trying to be more child friendly, or you know. Yeah, it was definitely, they were definitely trying to stick with family entertainment at the time. And a lot of times they tried to have a gimmick based on some form of reality. I I don't remember what uh, Shane Douglas' deal was, if he was a school teacher at some point. Or something. There goes Earl Hebner. <laughs> yeah, that uh, did not look good. So, what did he say to you after that? Um, oh, I mean, did you knock him out? Or 
Uh, he was hurt. He just said, fuck, Duke. <laughs> and I just buried my face in the mat, and I just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you didn't get – I mean, I can't imagine why you would get in any trouble for that because it was Earl's fault, really, for standing there. But um, he's yeah. selling that shoulder, and now the ring is getting uh, very much eliminated. Yeah, Earl's hurt. You could tell he was holding his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh... – Sean just backdropped me out, and uh, I'm, I don't, I wouldn't suspect he saw Earl standing there either. So, so how was like locker room morale at this point? Because you know, WWF, like I love this era of WWF, but probably you know not making the money necessarily that it was a few years later and stuff like that. Did it feel like business was down, or did it, did it matter, or you know? Yeah, business was down guy there were you know there was always guys that were angry and bitter in the back and didn't like the way things were going and buildings were definitely not sellouts uh they were cutting off a lot of tv buildings in half or in thirds uh to look for. um so yeah locker room morale was not very good at that time you know and there was a lot of jealousy and bitterness so i was what? just happy at this point though yeah. I mean, what was done to try and boost morale at that point? Uh, <laughs> nothing, really. I mean, uh, they didn't really do anything to – because you got to understand, Vince was also still kind of going through the steroid trials. So mm. uh, it, the office itself I don't think was at 100% because he wasn't always there uh, 100% involved. Was, at times he had to take care of what he had to legally. So – that's right. Um, yeah, I heard that you know um, costs had to be cut wherever possible. So a lot of contracts got cut, and um, even the water coolers in the office had to get taken out, and the security got let go, and all that kind of stuff, just to get through um, this sticky couple of years. I never heard all that. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I remember at one point Vince called all the boys together at a TV and had a meeting, and he kind of went over how much money was made and how much money was lost and who he, I think he had told us, Hey, there's Bundy. I think he had told us <laughs> at that point what his salary was, which I was kind of shocked. His base salary was like a hundred and something thousand dollars, but you know, obviously he's the owner of the company. So he's making a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think they, the, the company overall though, was really making money in these years. Um, it was well, just, it seemed yeah. like it was, you know, if it wasn't making money in the States, it had to be doing better in Europe because you were in Europe, um, it seemed like, every four or five months at that point. Well, I wasn't. But, yeah, business was good over, especially in Germany at that time. Uh, you know, those buildings were good, and there was money to be made over there. Um, and, yeah, the States, it was down because just because the whole thing with the Hogan and the steroid scandal and, left a bad taste in fans' mouths, I think, and they just disappeared for a while. Uh, oh, here comes uh, here comes Mo. I may be a little bit ahead of you here, but Mo certainly <laughs> earning his money that night. <laughs> yeah. He went out faster than uh, uh, Luke, Bushwhacker <laughs> Luke. So, um, yeah, my friend, because uh, you did uh, do some European tours. My friend said that uh, there's a city in the UK called Hull, and uh, he saw you wrestle in Hull. 
Um, and I, I, I was uh, I was very impressed by that. I, I don't know if you had like the same opponent around the loop in on the European tours or. No, I've I don't remember who I wrestled over there, but yeah, I did a few of the of European tours. I remember the first one I did was just horrible because it was two weeks, but we like flew. I think I think we started in England, but then like we did like a day or two. Then we went to Germany for a few days. Then we went to Israel for a few days. Then we came back to Germany. That was like one of the worst tours I've ever been on, and it was only two weeks. Um, just because it was horrible, I was just you were wore out. Uh, did from did that. you ever did you ever go to like Amsterdam and places like that? Because a story that I heard was that the the wrestlers loved going to places like that where weed was legal. Well, not when I was there. <clears throat> we know I never remembered them doing any tour in Amsterdam uh, uh, during those years. I think Vince probably wanted to keep the boys as far away from there as possible during that time. <laughs> um, but I'm sure if they ever toured there, yeah, the boys would have fun. Uh, you know, it just depends on what the situation was. When we were, when I was there, and these during these years when Vince was still on the federal trial, we were getting drug tested very strictly. You know, especially for illegal drugs and steroids and stuff like that. So yeah, I heard yeah, that. I've heard like Kevin Nash say um, and Luger as well that during these couple of years that everyone was clean. Basically, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, everyone was clean as far as steroids or using illegal drugs, but you know, there was the, the loophole was prescription drugs. You know, you could take any prescription pills you wanted, uh, as long as you reported it when you took a drug test and you wrote down the name on a piece of paper on the drug test form. You didn't even have to show them a proper prescription. You just had to tell them you were taking it. So that was kind of a <laughs> So do you but think yeah. like do you think like some of the drug tests ended up like uh, being pregnant or something like that because they swapped it with their wives' pee or something? Yeah. No, they they didn't do they couldn't <laughs> they authentically watched us pee in, in the the cups because somebody had told the story that golly who was it? Um, I might have been Warrior or Bulldog who maybe there was somebody that that got caught with a Visine bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got fired, and after that, they really started watching closely on the drug testing. So, but that when that happened was right before I got there. So, yeah, by the time I, I got there, real strict. I did hear that you had to get fully nude, just to like not hide anything. Is that an over exaggeration? That's an over exaggeration. I think you just kind of had to drop your pants low enough so they could tell there wasn't anything any funny business going on but i mean they stood right there and just looked at your junk so <laughs> it's just, there was no question. <laughs> so um with the um with the heel turn that was that was uh potentially going to happen uh with you joining the million dollar corporation did you have um a different ring gear uh, like how far ahead was it um before the whole thing got sort of uh scrapped we never got to any of that stuff because they, it was just kind of in the planning stages, and they were just starting to try things out on television. Mm-hmm. At one point, I wrestled a match against Steve Dahl, where uh, I beat Steve Dahl on TV, and afterwards I found a $100 bill in a garbage can. And uh, that was the beginning of what they were going to do. But then, you know, not too long after that, they scrapped the idea, and it just didn't happen. They didn't pursue it anymore. That's interesting. Did that get aired? Because I have I've not seen that. Oh yeah, it's on YouTube. 
I will have to find that. So um, here's Mantor. Um, I always wanted... Uh, <laughs> someone booked it as well. I always wanted to see Mantor against El Matador. I thought that would have been like the perfect match to have ever happened, and someone did actually book it, which I was... Uh, you know, that ever happened? Well, you would think that like El Matador... You know, it per makes perfect sense. I always like to think that Mantor as well ended up on Henry Godwin's farm and then was turned into... <laughs> Burgers, you know, and, <laughs> and never seen of ever again, you know. Vitalik Vantar was a hell of a wrestler, and I mean, he, he, you know, he gets a lot of the same shit for his gimmick. Speaking of shitty gimmicks, uh, <laughs> his gimmick that I always got from, uh, you know, concerning mine, you know, he had a bad gimmick put on him, but he was a hell of a wrestler, and he was fun to work with, uh, and he still is a hell of a wrestler. I think he's still actively wrestling, maybe, or I think he does. I think. I think he became like a, a spokesperson for diabetes because um, he did get diabetes. I saw an interview with him talking about it. Don't ask why I was searching for Mantor videos at like two in the morning. But, um, <laughs> diabetes. Wow, that's strange. I didn't know that. Yeah, it just happens. Like I didn't realize until recently. I don't know if you, you may not remember this, but uh, Goldus came out with a bodyguard one time, and that was that was uh, Mantor in a in a sort of, uh, in a suit with a... Uh, kind of the old Bruiser Mastino kind of look at, uh, yeah. they call ECW or something. He, yeah, that was very, very short-lived. It, it's kind of forgotten as well how, because of the outlandishness of, like, the, the characters, how good many of these wrestlers were in the ring, including yourself. Like, it's just, you know, I think it, it, it do you feel that it unfairly gets sort of, overlooked this this time because of that well I, I just think it's a matter of the I don't know the cumulative career or lack thereof for certain people like mm -hmm. I didn't last very long Mantar didn't last very long therefore people can look back and say okay those were shitty gimmicks and they didn't last very long but the reality is no matter what the gimmick uh you can get yourself over uh, yeah. it. You know, anybody can get over. There's ways to do it. There's ways to raise your own stock. It's just some of us, some knew how to do it. And some of us didn't know how to do, do it. Uh, and that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the gimmick because Mantar could have done a lot more with that. Uh, yeah. If he knew, you know, how to play his cards right there, but, well, that's, that goes that goes to what I say about you know the Undertaker is a one of the more ridiculous gimmicks ever, um, but you know it's also one of the most over uh, gimmicks of all time. But were there any sort of areas uh, or in any sort of territories where Duke the Dumpster worked in front of an audience more than others, sort of thing? Oh, I came up down uh, wrestling in Florida before I went to the. World Wrestling Federation, and I wrestled down there as the garbage man, mm -hmm. Rocco Gibraltar. So I was already wrestling with the gimmick down there, and it, it you know, the people loved it down there. It worked really well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a large part of what happened to me is when I got to the World Wrestling Federation, first of all, I was just so happy to be there that I didn't want to piss anybody off. And what tends to happen a lot of times some of these agents and even some of the other workers to a certain extent, they start to try and change what you do. They're like, no, don't do it this way. Do it another way. Don't do it that way. Do it another way. And the reality is I was getting over really well in Florida and I started to bring that stuff out with me in the WWF 
and they immediately started changing things. And so I didn't make waves. I changed. I made the changes they told me to make. Was and, Rocco Gibraltar sort of more, and and this is, uh, you know, I love the Duke Dorsey character, but was it more three-dimensional sort of thing? You, you weren't sort of lumped in as just garbage man sort of thing? Well, it was, it was just, <clears throat> it was a garbage man gimmick. I mean, it was, um, uh, you know, of course, if it, there was no real TV or anything behind it, it was just local indie wrestling back in those days indie wrestling was not like it is today if somebody had a ring and they could run a few shows here and there you know if you got a couple shows a month you were good mm-hmm. um but no just as a gimmick it was it was pretty much the same just not on such a grand stage with that huge machine behind it promoting it so but, but, but okay well in in that um, on that line, then I mean, sort of, because uh, a, a WWF thing to do would have been, you know, because you're a, a, a garbage man and you clean up stuff. So surely you're, the, you know, I could imagine them trying to put you in a feud with someone who's like just really messy. You know what I mean? Like, was that kind of ever thrown out to you? It's very, you know, not very much thought put into it. But I can imagine the creative at that time kind of coming up with that kind of thing that you have to, you know. Well, they went the opposite direction. They they put me uh, with Jerry the King Lawler, and they put me with Triple H because they were royalty or blue blood or real clean. I actually begged the office. I begged Vince McMahon personally to put me in a feud with Henry Godwin, and they wouldn't do it. I kept asking them because I loved working with the guy, and uh, they would not. They would not do it. It just visually, I mean, you know, two big guys as well, but who can move and can talk. It would have made perfect sense, really, and could have had a lot of longevity to it as well. Um, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> but yeah, um, yeah. So again, the ring, it, it kind of uh, it died down for a little bit. Uh, so it came down to Sean and Bulldog again, and then the ring. What <laughs> what was kind? Of, I, it, this must have been by design, but because Jacob. Uh, or Eli, uh, one of the uh, Harris brothers, came in at number three. It came back down to Sean and Bulldog, and then the other one came in again. And it, you know, it, it confused the crowd because they won't have seen them before this match. <laughs> you know, so like I think they could have been built up a little bit better just to give them some kind of impact. I guess. Um, I don't remember specifically. I'm sure they probably explained it away on TV, but yeah. To what you're saying, I'm sure that oh, there's Dick Murdoch. I'm I'm sure that they uh, the fans in the live crowd were probably confused. This is now. Remember, this is they brought in Murdoch in uh, before this rumble. Me and Mantar were working in live shows, and that was where Murdoch screamed at me about something at a bar one night. But yeah, yeah, Murdoch. Holy crap! I mean, what were there any plans for Murdoch at this point? I don't. They never said anything. I don't know. And he kind of just went away. But some folks were saying they might have wanted him to do something in the office. But I don't know, man. He was was out drinking in the bar with the boys like from day (laughs) one. So I don't know if that would have been conducive to being, you know, one of the office people. (laughs) Well, yeah, Murdoch uh, passed away the following year as well. Um which is which is quite sad. Um, after this, after he, the following year from from the, when did he when did he pass away? 
Yeah, literally the like in '96, I believe. Uh, I, don't write me letters if it's not true. I should Google it. I shouldn't say stuff without like actually. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty sure he passed away in '96. Wow, I did not even know that. I mean, I knew he passed away. I just didn't remember when. Yeah, I was going to say that would be a horrible way to find out on a <laughs> on an episode of Turn Chuckle. Um, right. That someone passed away. Um, no, no, nothing like that. I mean, I knew it. Um, I was watching Adam Bomb come in. We made fun of him. He was they were they were making him a baby face at this point. And uh when he came down to the ring, he was like really screaming to the crowd and waving his arms and he got up and he stomped on the the uh stairs three times and and uh I don't think Savio wasn't still out there. Quang was gone, but he was you know, we always sit in the back and watch on the monitor and uh from that point on, he would just make fun of the, this noise that Adam Bomb made when he came out. He was like, "Woo, yeah, boom, boom, boom!" We stand up. We're like, "What the hell are you doing, man?" <laughs> He's like the ultra uber baby face. So, and, and he didn't. Um, he wasn't around too much longer after this. Only a few months, but like, just if you want to talk prototype WWF star in. Vince's eyes from like the fans point of view that it would be someone like Adam Bomb um, I wonder why it didn't last unless he got the WCW offer around that point oh no what happened was uh, the way I heard it when I came in there was already talk like you could hear like the word from agents was he would not listen he would not listen to anybody's advice uh so that's why they say he failed as a heel in the first place. And then they tried to do the big baby face turn where they had all the merchandise and the little Nerf footballs. That were <laughs> I do have one. <laughs> and they did all that stuff. And, oh, yeah, Crush was still here too. Wow. See, I, and, I, uh, I think Crush got brought back for this one night. I think he had already done his little um, very short stint. Well, no, he was arrested but never in prison, wasn't he? I think that was the... Yeah, I think so. I think that's correct. Was it Canada or something? I think it was. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, but I mean, it, I think it shows... Canada, and then he just disappeared, and then I ended up working Bastard Booger when I first came in. He was supposed to be my first opponent, but Crush was, and he just disappeared. Bastion Booger was... Uh, because he was uh, he wrestled in uh, Calgary and all over the place as well, and he was hugely athletic for someone his size and someone you know, very underrated, I find. Yeah, yeah, he was another big guy that they just kept switching him around and different things. I remember that whole baby face crush uh, gimmick. I never thought that was that took ground very much. Uh, it was very good. I never thought, uh, but you know, yeah, he was the, another like you said, prototype big guy. And it just didn't seem to work out. Mm. I'm kind of watching these guys now. Everybody's. Well, PJ's still in there with Murdoch. Yeah, Sean looks uh, out on his feet at this point. But uh, we didn't count mullets. I'm guessing there probably has been about like, 17 or 18 mullets. I, I noticed when Mantor got thrown out, he got thrown out right in front of Pamela Anderson and uh, her entourage made sure that he didn't touch Pamela at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so when, because um, right, this is the build-up to WrestleMania, and I mean, you were there you were around for a few WrestleManias. I mean, you weren't on the shows, unfortunately, but do, like, did you enjoy doing the fan fest stuff? Yeah, I'd have to say I did. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was there for 11 and 12. I came in right after 10. 
Yeah. So, many. so I was there for 11 and 12. Um, but again, there was a lot of jealousy in the locker room and stuff. Uh, I remember like Sluger was talking about WrestleMania 11 when it when, when we were in the locker room and he was, he was talking about how he had been main event in WrestleMania 10 and went to opening match the very next year in a tag team. Mm. And uh, that's kind of where everybody started calling those other guys the click was right around the WrestleMania 11 time. And uh, it's fun to do. So, I mean, that's part of what I like to do. That's part of what I enjoyed about the business was the fans. Um, and I enjoyed going out and performing in the ring. Uh, it's just all the crap that went on in the back that made it not so much fun. But, you know, that's part of the business, I guess. Mm. I, I guess definitely at that time as well. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I, I just assume just from everything that I've heard that like, this particular point when the click were in full force. And I mean, they weren't the only faction at the time as well. But I mean, did like the, uh, did the BSK play politics quite as much? No, BSK was that. That wasn't. Um, it wasn't like a political thing. It was just a bunch of guys that hung out together that were not in the clique. Uh, you know, that just kind of wanted to call themselves something. I guess. Um, really came from Yokozuna, and uh, it really took hold with uh, Phineas Godwin, Dennis Knight. You know, he came in. Tex Slasinger, he yeah. came in. Um, they really kind of made it into more than it originally was. Of course, Taker was part of it, but, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't see like the BSK guys didn't all hang out all the time, uh, and talk wrestling, like the click guys, you know, those click guys would hang around and they'd talk wrestling like all the time. Uh, so yeah, they had a political foothold, but they were also, talking business and throwing around ideas. But of course, it just so happened that all those ideas were for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, they were, uh, the click was definitely a political group uh, in that business in that company at the time. BSK was just kind of, I don't know. It wasn't the same thing. It was kind of had a more of a gang mentality to it. I think guys were getting tattoos and all that stuff, but uh, it wasn't the same thing. So do you have tattoos? No, no I don't. I don't. Ne never no. Tattoo. no, because they, you couldn't just get tattoos back in these days. It was around the attitude era was when everybody just started getting tattoos because they let guys kind of start expressing themselves more. Mm. Uh, being so controlled like it was when I was there, it was, I mean, they got mad one year when I cut my hair too short. Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems yeah. like you've got sh you had shorter hair on this match. It was kind of like a soccer mom bob at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I called it the Dutch boy. <laughs> soccer mom, that's terrible. I know. Yeah. I should, you can beat me up, so like I shouldn't say that. But um, <laughs> um, so we're down at the final five at this point. Uh, I, I've got to say, at this point, Henry Godwin. Maybe not as much crush, but Godwin, bit of a shock for the final five. Yeah, I don't know. It was. I think he was probably relatively new at this point. It was well. That's the thing about this Rumble match is that a lot of names in the match had only come in like two or three months before, so it was a lot of um, 
fresh faces who the audience may not have been familiar with or who weren't a part of an angle yet or anything like that. So it was kind of, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean it, it, it was Sean and Bullock's match really to have, I guess. And yeah, and they didn't run angles and storylines up and down the card. Like would later be the case with like Vince Russo. When he started, he always had everybody involved in something, you know, everybody else in this, during these years, it was just window dressing. You had your main angles and then it would just get down to, you know, whoever the main event angles were. So how, how do you feel about that? Because I've heard different sides of the argument that, you know, Russo says, says it was good that everyone had something to do, but someone like Jim Cornette would say, well, then it meant that a lot of things would mean nothing. Like there was the year that Undertaker hung the big boss man in the hell in the cell. And then it was like, oh, well, up next, it's a title match. And then, you know, it kind of was instantly forgotten about. There's probably truth to that. It probably watered down a lot of the stuff. But in in terms of the boys, they were happy because everybody was involved in something. Mm-hmm. I'm, trying to figure, I'm trying to remember who goes out first, Lex, or it would have to be Crush. Um, like, no, I, th- I, I don't want to spoil it. That's no, I, think I, it's like, I just spoiled it. No, <laughs> no I think, um, yeah, no, uh, Crush gets down at the final three again, which I was a little shocked by but i guess it's to it's one of those things that you always have like two heels in the face sort of thing just to stack the odds against the face i would guess that's right makes it seem like yeah yeah you're right there it is but sean was um very over in this match the crowd cheered loudly when uh when he won the match eventually yeah the boys didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what were your? I mean, what else did you do on the? I mean, you know that you know savory, family-friendly stuff. Uh, did you have like other interests and hobbies and stuff like that? Uh, not around that time, unless it involved drinking. <laughs> well, there was no internet as well. Like, no, there was no internet then. I mean, AOL was coming out. You know, at some point, I guess it was ninety-six. But, uh, yeah, it all started with – I remember AOL because I got on one of the first message boards and it, some magazine had printed what my username was and people started immediately just jumping all over my me on the message boards, so I had to kind of get rid of it. Real Duke D at AOL.com way back in the day. And then somebody <laughs> stole it. But, yeah, yeah there, there was no real internet back in these days. Yeah, I, I, at the time as well um... – was there ever any sort of um, temptation to kind of go to the dirt sheets and stuff like that? Or, you know, cause obviously there were people there that would leak stuff out, but when you were like maybe frustrated. Or- no, I never did. I didn't, we didn't, we, we, the boys, when I say we, we did not, we really despised for the most part, we despised the uh, dirt sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think that, a lot of people have said over the years that Dave Meltzer made a got rich and made a career off of you know the hard work of wrestlers, <laughs> professional yeah, I, wrestlers. Yeah, uh, personally, I'm not a fan. I've got to say, um, I don't know the guy, but I just I don't know. But it, just as a personal thing, he voted Gorilla Monsoon the worst commentator five years in a row. So I'm just like, yeah, he's uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's because Gorilla Monsoon didn't know all the Japanese 
flippy moves, you know, and uh, so that makes him a bad commentator instead of being able to tell the story. Here's the finish. But yeah, I'm just on the soapbox now. But yeah, well, the thing is, though, slightly um, sloppy camera work at this point because Michaels had obviously not been eliminated. <laughs> and Vince... They wanted to make sure, just in case both feet touched, that they weren't over there. Yeah, no, that's it's true. Um, they, but yeah. They would flip it back on tape. Crowd going See, wild for this as well. Now it's, you a, it's, a, it's a great finish. Um, not, it's something that you couldn't really do again. I think they may have tried it again, something similar. But uh, Pamela Anderson, it's obviously cold in the arena. Pamela Anderson's got, uh, she's uh, <laughs> smuggling peanuts, I think would be the. Uh, smuggling peanuts. Uh-huh. That's hey, I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, Earl's uh, Earl's back up and uh... yeah, he wouldn't hurt too bad unless they did the switcheroo and that's Dave Hebner. I don't know. <laughs> See, were, your boots at this point were they? I guess they were just wrestling boots. Did they have like lifts on them? I guess they wouldn't need them. Or were they like working boots or like sort of actual? I, you know what? I think at this time I was still at that time I was still wearing high tech magnums, which are just like regular boots you can buy at the shoe store. They're not wrestling boots. That's why I twisted my ankles so many times. Mm. Oh, I can imagine. Um, and I guess well, wearing like the outfit that you wore as well. I meant I guess did were your knees like heavily supported underneath because you wouldn't have been able to see like the knee pads or the knee braces or whatever. No, I, I mean I just had knee pads with sleeves. I think that was it. Uh, do you? Well, I, I was going to ask. Do you regret that now? Yes, you've lost a leg. So, um, but that's nothing to do with that. Like, well, and actually, I'll tell you what it has to do with is the fact that I wore those high tech Magnum shoes for so long, and I had twisted my ankles uh, a lot. And the old injury that ended up coming back in later years was because of twisting that ankle so many times. Uh, and then it just got worse and worse. So that's where it came from. That's uh, actually what led to it. Wow. Yeah. That and stomping when I threw fake punches. So people say, how'd you lose your foot? I say from throwing fake punches. I was hoping that like a shark may have uh, bitten it off or something. A shark. Come you on. Could, you could tell people John that. Tenta. John shark Tenta, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, like, are you going to use it in a match? I'd be upset. upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be upset if it didn't be like in like the Tokyo Dome or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that at the uh, you know the birthday and bar mitzvah tour. (laughs) (laughs) No. Have you? Can you drink out of it? Have you ever done that? No, never drank out of it. It's got a hole in the bottom though, so yeah, you can't really. Doesn't hold water. Uh, so I mean, do you like? Do you have to have a, a spare just in case, or is that like? A... No, they're too expensive to have a spare. Now I've got two old ones laying around at the house, but they're just because they're. See, the thing, your leg shrinks uh, the process of, I guess, muscle atrophy. So the first one was really big, and then the second one was a bit smaller, and this one's even smaller. Mm-hmm. And I've had the one I'm wearing now a lot longer because it's getting to the point where the leg can't shrink anymore. But, yeah, I've got two other legs. So I'm thinking of bringing them in on a hardcore match maybe in, in May <laughs> and wrapping them in barbed wire and uh, <laughs> as a weapon. So 
That would be incredible. See, we, we barely talked about the Royal Rumble match as well. Um, Michael's won the match, and uh, we hope everyone at least enjoyed the visual aid of uh, watching it and listening to us kind of uh, rambling along. Shoot the shit, yeah. Shoot, shoot the shit for a little um, for a little while. So, um, you know, people who have listened to your other interviews, they know the kind of... And have uh, followed your amazing stories on Facebook as well. They know... You know uh, your story basically, and you know it's great that you're um, healthy and back in shape and clean and uh, back on the scene again. Like you're kicking some ass. Yeah, you just did a did you you just did a show with Ray Apollo or was it with uh, Tiger Jackson? Uh, Heroes and Legends. I think we did back in November. They were on that one. Yeah, uh, and they, they were both together for that. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember. It was in Indiana, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Indiana, with Jason Maples, my good buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's where that was. Yeah, they were there. It was good to see them. Uh, uh, I saw a lot of the guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I, I haven't seen any of them at that point. I had not seen any of them in over 20 years. Matter of fact, every time I see Jeff Jarrett now, he's like, Duke, it's been 20 years. <laughs> every time I see him, and he's going to Mexico to wrestle, apparently, but. Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen any of those guys in forever. And, and it's funny, I think there, I told some stories with Doink and Dink on my Facebook page. And when I ran into Ray Apollo, Doink the Clown, at Heroes and Legends, the first thing he brought up was one of those stories. And it was not because he read it. It was just, just it was so funny when it happened. That's the first thing he remembered when he saw me was something that happened in Canada, I think, when... Uh, I remember when Luna beat somebody up or yeah. oh, also when I jimmied the, the odometer on a rental car so we didn't have to pay my, mileage. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> so and, and that's the great thing about your Facebook. Because, like, I mean, I think you would admit as well that some wrestlers uh, from, you know, from the past have the tendency to over-exaggerate or bullshit, whereas yeah. your stories are 100% legit and have been backed up by... Other know, wrestlers. By other wrestlers, yeah, like Sean Waltman and... Um, yeah. You know, and um, Ray Apollo and more. So, you know, it's it's a great... F- <laughs> and uh, Well, that guy, yeah. I mean, I don't know whatever happened to him, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I never heard of him. <laughs> um, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I try to do. I try to be honest because, honest, I, at this point, and when I started, when I really started doing this anyway, when I kind of came back out of nowhere, I didn't have anything to lose. I really didn't care. And, I, and it's not from a point of view where I'm bitter and pissed off at people. I'm just telling true stories that were funny to me. And most of the time, I'm making myself look like an idiot because in those stories, quite frankly, a lot of times I was the one that looked like an idiot. But that's the case. That's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling the truth and having fun. And people seem to be responding to it. So, you know, yeah. I'm fun with it. So, I mean, were there any nerves about kind of um... – coming back on on a platform again or i mean i guess you're more confidence than anything since you're back in shape and um you you know you are what i guess people remember if not better because you're probably in better shape than you were then yeah about four years ago i decided to kind of get myself back together and get back in shape and i think that was a large part of this as well um just kind of getting back in shape and and coming out of my self-imposed exile mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, just interacting with fans again. But yeah, I, I, I had to do something. I, at one point I got to like 400 pounds. I was like morbidly obese. 
And wow. uh, I got tired. I was smoking cigarettes. I still had all these sh- really bad habits. And uh, I one day I just got tired of it and started working. And got in the gym and did what I had to do and just kept going. So, and then it just, that kind of turned into me being more confident with getting on the social media and talking to people and interacting with fans and telling stories. And then that turned into what you see now, as far as the things that we're doing. And, and now of course we're getting ready to start this podcast here with the 60 minute Broadway talking trash with Duke, the dumpster Drossy, which will be on YouTube by the way. Yeah. I've seen seen pictures of the studio setup. It looks, uh, it's looking good. Yeah, I, I had to jump on board quick with these dudes, man. This is this is a legit operation, except for that Sting Weber guy. But other than that, <laughs> this isn't all. He's sitting right here, of course. This is an awesome situation, and I'm glad that they asked me uh, to come in with them. Actually, well, no, that's that's great, and it's also, it's such a great time as well for fans of old school stuff. Because I mean, one thing that WWE does well is promote the whole legends thing and their past and you know i love that uh you know you're in the encyclopedia i guess you've had to sign quite a few of those at this point and um you know uh, it's just like i probably if they didn't really acknowledge their past quite as much i may not have continued to be a fan quite as much they've really they really know how to you know corner that side of the market i would say um and, you know, you need to be under a Legends contract so I can get that Duke the Dumpster Drossy action figure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they need to acknowledge uh, their uh, legends of the past more, in my case, and give me more royalties, especially for all <laughs> the stuff on the network I'm hearing about. Now, what's up with that, Vince McMahon? Where are my royalties? But, yeah, I, I, I think it's funny that people say I need to sign a Legends contract. I never thought of Duke the Dumpster Drossy as a legend necessarily, um, but well, I, mean, I was the, only one the of the thing, guys there. Go ahead. No, well, the thing about the the Legends brand now is that it kind of encapsulates anything from the past and now. Um, yeah. And you know, you you've made you made your dent. You're a legend in your own way, um, but you're still out there. And um, you know, you I just, definitely love to see an action figure. That would be pretty badass. Action figure that would be on the video game. Not one made by one of the fans, which those are cool too, but one legitimate made through the company would be awesome. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Um, So yeah, look, thank you for doing this. Um, The good thing about doing audio is that you don't get to see uh, what a small operation this podcast is. So like, I really uh, thank you for uh, spending an hour of your time doing this because uh you know and i don't take it for granted as well i've been very lucky to interview uh several names and um you know i think the name everyone that i've had on really appreciates their fan base and um you know i think i would hope that that's why you know you were happy to do this because i am a fan and um i display that trash can lid very proudly and um it's been a lot of fun and it's been a unique experience right it is because we do appreciate the fans and uh and, and I absolutely appreciate the fact that you asked me to do this uh, with you today. Uh, and it was fun watching that uh, Royal Rumble match again. There was a lot of stuff that I did not remember as we were queuing it up. As a matter of fact, uh, my buddy Sting here, a man called Sting, as I <laughs> affectionately call him, 
showed me the part where Pamela Anderson got out of the limousine at the beginning and all the boys were marking out. I was like, I don't think I was there for that. And sure as shit, <laughs> in the back, acting like a jackass. <laughs> so yeah, 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 interesting yeah. to watch all of that again. So. You had a really um, flirtatious uh, look going on. You'd uh, conditioned the hair particularly well and uh, tried to get her attention, but she wasn't having any of it, was she? Like, I don't know. I think she noticed me. She was just trying to no-sell it. <laughs> so, yes, um, where can people find you? Not like not like in your house or anything like that. Like, you know, just okay, here's my, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Me personally, uh, on Facebook, Mike Drosy. On Instagram, Mike Drosy. On Twitter, at Drosy Mike, because I was too stupid to know how to change my name. <laughs> uh, listen, on all those same platforms, the 60 Minute Broadway, or at 60 Minute Broadway. That's the guys I'm working with. And search our stuff on YouTube. And like our shit. And subscribe to our shit. Absolutely. Talking Trash with Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Come check out my podcast. It's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be entertaining. I'm very, very excited to check it out. Well, thank you once again. And um, we will, I'm sure, no doubt, chat again soon. And uh, thank you for everyone listening as well. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.